Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone in between, welcome to The Drawing Board. My name is Muhammad Ali. I'll be one of your co-hosts, and joining me today is... Krish, what's up, guys? Um, this is The Drawing Board, where we decided that our thoughts were cool enough to make a podcast with, just like all the other friend groups, but really, we're just here to chill, to vibe. Mac, you want to go into any more details? Yeah, so obviously, we saw the circulating memes of two guys having a conversation, immediately thinking, yo, we should start a podcast, and we thought, you know what? They're, they're right. We should start a podcast. We would always have amazing conversations, or at least from our perspective, amazing conversations in our group chats and think and thought, well, we should have a way that we can capture this. And obviously, we're not going to have that much value delivered because we're just a bunch of uni students trying to figure it out ourselves. But we thought it'd be cool to look back maybe one day and see what our thoughts were at a given time. So, yeah, here's episode one. Yeah, um, I guess we can get into it. Mac, what are your thoughts on the metaverse? Meta. So, obviously, when uh, Facebook first announced it, uh, I had my reservations. Uh, I think at the time, I was thinking it was going to go one of two ways, but I was erring toward one. So, I was thinking either this would be the launching pad that would really bring uh, like VR, AR into the, the mainstream and make everybody realize, like, yo, this is maybe something we should invest more into. Or it would be a gargantuan flop because of the fact that we didn't really have the technology or the hardware to back up what the what Facebook's vision seemed to be or Meta's vision seemed to be. And I was erring on the side of the conservative approach of this is not going to be enough. And, well, recently we've come to the conclusion that, yeah, maybe I was right in that sense. So, wait, I have a question. Do you, when I talk about the Metaverse, do you immediately associate with Meta the company? Well, I think specifically the word Metaverse, I do. Just because, like, Facebook literally has the name, or I keep saying Facebook, but yeah, Meta, literally the word Meta. So in that sense, it does. But, like, when you think of Metaverse outside of that, I don't think of anything. Does that make sense? Like, if you tell me, oh, like, the Metaverse as as an idea, there's no, nothing that comes to mind. Like, AR, VR, I don't think of Facebook, but Metaverse itself, I do. But at the same time, there's there's nothing of, like, value associated with the name. How about you? Yeah, but I swear they're like renaming was the smartest like smartest move on their part. Just because the metaverse has been around for a long time, people have been talking about it. But mm-hmm. Facebook with its like giant conglomeracy decided that they own the entire world word. Uh, I wonder like what other companies could just decide to own a word just because they want to pivot into that space. Yeah, I th- I think the the shift would have been smart if they had like something of value to back it up with, you know what I mean? Like if 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 they named it to Meta and then immediately started coming out with a bunch of cool projects and like some companies started adapting and be like, oh damn, like maybe this is onto, onto something. But then they came out with something that was like years behind like VR chat, which is like, what are, what are we doing here? And, and and the way that they advertised it was like, you'd think that like a multi-billion dollar company with so much experience, especially in the advertising sphere like Facebook, would, would know how to make their product seem like valuable. But the, the, their marketing was terrible. They had nothing of actual value to back up what they were claiming in terms of how it's going to be a massive shift in how society was working. And honestly, it came at the perfect time as well because like, we had just basically come out of like the COVID uh, work from home era and people were thinking, you know, maybe it is time to shift to a more online-centric workplace, which is, I think, one of the main things that Meta was pushing for. And they still somehow managed to completely mess it up. I don't know. Like, I feel like the current state that Meta is in is definitely not good. But... I- I'm kind of an optimist for the metaverse in the sense that it's important for a giant company like Meta to take this on rather than any other company. Like this is a very, very like R&D heavy space where you're really like burning money to see that like what's possible. Uh, it's a combination of both hardware and software. You're playing with optics. Um, 
which is notoriously a hard space to deal with. Um, but without without Meta, the space would go nowhere. Like we would have never really explored the metaverse without this company just throwing like hundreds of billions of dollars at it. And I think, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think they're like their research that they're doing supposedly is supposed to be promising. The things they've released haven't been. But if you look at even their videos, it's all like, hey, um, we like have this prototype working in our research lab, and then you'll be able to try it one day too. So if all of them work out, I think it could still be promising. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from in terms of like having a big company, like almost creates like a culture shift in terms of like people start focusing on it more and they have the resources to just throw at it and see like, you know, we'll just throw something at the wall, something might stick and then it, it, it could be a big thing. But at the same time, when a company as big as Facebook Meta does it and as we've kind of seen like fails to create anything of substantial value it almost like creates like this like this disdain within the general population of oh like what is this thing like they're just trying to make money with it and they and they completely flopped and like if anything it like it does the opposite like the reverse effect of it pushes us back um in terms of like development that, does that make sense yeah i i'd argue they don't they aren't prioritizing for money like they know they're losing it a lot no, of I, oh, they're, they're definitely not prioritizing for money with the way the yeah. stock is going. But like, I don't know. It, it just seems like there, there should be something. Like, who are the developers working on this? Because how have they thrown so much money at it and everything's still in development? Like, like literally VR chat has a more, has a better metaverse experience than meta. And there's like, I think like, concurrent like seven Worlds? or eight. Yeah, Horizon Worlds, sorry. I think which is their main project was Horizon Worlds, right? Like that was the main thing they were really pushing. With like right. the, the like the legged characters, like even like something as laughable as adding legs to their avatars, they, it wasn't even real. Like they came out with this this marketed campaign of like our characters have legs now, and they didn't even have legs because <laughs> it was still in development. Like they they were just blowing smoke up our ass. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's hilarious. I okay, I I I feel like Meta is shouldn't be a software company for the metaverse. It should be a hardware company for the metaverse. Like, the Oculus is the best in its class. There is no better, like, VR yeah. device than the Oculus. Like, VR chat, most of its users, I would assume, use the Oculus. So, like, the, Met yeah. the MetaQuest Pro makes sense, like, to make that. Especially yeah. if they're working with, like, BCIs and things. Um, yeah, I agree. I would tell Meta to, like, just, like, abandon Horizon Worlds. Maybe the Avatar experience makes sense, but let people work on that and kind of just become this, this curator of an amazing hardware product with a good software OS to back it up. And let, yeah, like exactly. I think that's the biggest problem right now is that we have the software capabilities and the vision of what we want the metaverse to be, but we don't have like the hardware to back it up yet. Like we have some hardware and obviously it's, it's advanced over the, la the past couple of years, but the lack of mainstream adaptation because of like multiple reasons, as well as the fact that it hasn't been enough time yet. Like we don't have like like the the hardware that can back up the, the vision that Meta and then other people have as well. Right, so if anything exactly. right now, yeah, we, we should be focusing on the hardware aspect, like you said. And then once we have that up to a certain point, people are like, like it, it should be something that blows people away, right? Like in order to have mainstream adaptation of a new technology, like say for example, the iPhone, like it, it was something that like took people by storm because of how like revolutionary it was. And both in terms of obviously marketing with Steve Jobs being a genius, but like just the fact that it was something so, so like, extraordinary right but like right now we see like ar vr people like yeah it's cool like, like we play beat saber and like it looks kind of nice but at the same time it's like it, it could be like it's, it's something that like blows people away 
if that makes sense. So we need to have the, the hardware at a point where it really blows people away, and then we'll get the mainstream software and you know just everything adaptation that comes along with that. It truly has to be magic. It's been yeah. true for hardware products in the past, but if you're promising like a portal out of your real life, unless you give something that's purely magical, no one's gonna like it. Especially because people hate. People are. Technology itself has a very negative connotation these days. So I think if you tell people they're gonna spend more of their time with technology, it has to be like crazy, crazy good. I don't think that is there yet, but I think it's coming. I really, really, truly believe that like magical stuff will come soon. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like I'm optimistic for the future of it, but like how revenue, like let's say for example, like Meta is able to like set out like what it wants to do. Like it goes out, it completely revolutionizes like the internet sphere and our main mode of like communication, entertainment, everything happens within like some sort of metaverse. Like if, even if not like Meta that we know of now, but like some other company or some 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 slight tweaked way. Like, do you think that that really is that big of a deal like in terms of being revolutionary? Like how does it really impact society? Right, like the main benefit here is one true globalization. Mm -hmm. I, I suspect if this works out, the concept of countries, um, of nation states, will all like start to fade, fade away even more really? than they are. Just, just because of meta? Or like the metaverses? Yeah, I, well, the internet did the same thing, right? Mm. Nation states yeah. used to be very, very, very secluded like upon each other. Fair. But the internet came about, and now people have to create very, very different laws of how to act if one person from one country is working in a company working in another in another country or so on and so forth so i yeah i'd imagine that so, it's sorry to interrupt you but would you say that like meta itself would make like because obviously there's no doubt that the internet was revolutionary in that sphere but would you say that meta coming along would make that much of a difference on top of that or would it just be like the same like revolutions in a different uh, through a different like mode of delivery i guess you could call it like just just like the internet again but we, we have a slightly different tweak on how we affect it because i feel like the internet obviously was revolutionary but i feel like meta wouldn't make that much of a difference on top of that maybe that's just me being yeah pessimistic. yeah i agree but the problem is the problem that any metaverse company is trying to solve right now the biggest problem in the entire game is not that of like realism or of any benefit it's the it's the addition of presence and like the fullness of life inside the globalization of the internet. Right now, if you're on the internet, scrolling through Instagram doesn't feel like you're actually talking and conversing and like interacting with your friends. Mm -hmm. The idea is you should have that presence aspect plus the very, very interconnected life through the metaverse. I don't know if meta is going to be the one though. So, so would you say that internet had, does that come from like amazing graphics and like, uh, like haptic feedback, stuff like that? Or do you think it comes from more of like a, a cultural understanding of what we see the metaverse as like what do you think what do you think that comes in the form of yeah i don't think i don't think it's cultural understanding at all like there's there's no need to have a good project a, pro, a good product shouldn't have cultural understanding it should have people that are blown away by it and just understand yeah so, i so think, you think that, that that being blown away comes in the form of like amazing graphics that make us feel like we're literally there yeah yeah, yeah. also i think it's like going in the right direction i think for example i'm i don't know if i'm too big of a believer on vr if you want added presence in mm -hmm. in metaversal tech, the clear right path to go is through augmented reality. Like, do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, have you used the HoloLens? I haven't, no. Okay, okay. 
um, for the viewers out there that don't know what the HoloLens is, it's this augmented reality device, which basically means that you can see the real world around you and you can add virtual graphics to it. For example, I could spawn a little zombie on my desk and play with it or interact with it. The idea is like, it's almost like a Snapchat filter over your everyday life. And so barring the fact that you're wearing a heavy headset, which will limit towards a very minimal headset in the future, hopefully, it feels much more like you're in your everyday life. Plus you have the added superpowers of the internet being connected to you. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I see what you, so like, so like it still comes, but mainly in the more like, so it's just social media, but like you see the people there. Is that what like, kind of like the way you see it going? Yeah, 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 exactly. I also, I, I want to get to the state of like, there's been a lot of talk about like the singularity, but I just want to get, get to the state where, where like man and the internet act at such a, like they have such a great symbiosis going between them that it's, there's no friction to it. Like we've made the internet, but it's it's pretty like dumb to interact with it so far. Like you have to open a laptop, you have to tap our screens, like type in t type in random text that we've already thought of, get the, get all this information and then come back. It, it doesn't make sense. I want I want to be able to just like lightning speed access the internet, like get information, um, but it's kind of going. It kind of tends towards a like dystopian society if everyone can do that. I don't know. Speaking of that, let's. Uh, let's shift our topics here to BCIs, which uh, something that you have a lot of passion for. You've been talking about it for yeah multiple years now that I can remember. Uh, just give us your thoughts on it, because I'm I'm not very well versed in it at all in terms of where the technology is at, what the realistic applications are within the near future. So just yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Cool. Okay. So BCIs. Okay. So for context, BCIs means brain computer interfaces, and it's a very very vague subject. The idea is that you should be able to connect your brain with different technologies in order to interact with the internet um, or interact with any technology. And it's we are still in a very, very nascent stage of that in our like current life to the point where the only real uses of brain computer interfaces are for disabled people. Um, for example, if someone like can barely move, you should be able to harness the electrical signals coming from their brain to at least let them operate a computer. Um, and so like, that's the kind of stage that we're, that we're at right now. Mm -hmm. But there's like a lot of companies trying to crack the second stage of consumer grade uh, BCIs. And that's kind of where a lot of my interest is in. One, because it seems really cool. And two, because everyone's failing at it. So is that in the form of like thought interpretation? Right. Like the, the, the first stage is, is read access. We want really good read access um, into your brain's thoughts. But breaking it down, like your thoughts are all electrical signals. One neuron is firing an electrical signal to another neuron. And right. so with a VCI, what you're trying to do is either put something inside of your brain, which is called invasive, or like keep something outside of your brain, which is not invasive, that tries to like read these signals and interpret them again as thoughts, the same way that we do. The problem is that it's insanely hard, especially if it's non-invasive. A really good example, like that's pretty prominent in the, in the community is you're trying to listen for like a pin drop in a room full of 500 screaming children when you're trying to like analyze this data, which sucks, like it's terrible. 
Yeah, because you'd have to filter out for like just like bodily processes and stuff, right? Because like obviously, I I'm not sure if a majority of the brain's uh, like electrical signals would be dedicated toward that, but like obviously that's not very inform like useful for us in terms of understanding thoughts, right? So like, would there be like a, a filtering process of figuring out which part of the brain and which electrical signals are actually creating thoughts, or which combination of uh, signals are creating thoughts, and which are just like background noise, basically like your heart beating or your just lungs, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, um, that's why it's so hard to do thoughts. For example, if you're trying to record like brain data, and you like clench your jaw, like all your data skewed, like it's over. Mm. You cannot clench your jaw. Even blinking like screws things up. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. And but like that, there's also like a good thing about this is that bodily functions take up the majority of electrical signals, which means we can pretty like pretty accurately map certain like bodily functions to what electrical signals are going on and so for example if i wanted to like lift my finger i can think about lifting my finger those electrons would fire um, or those like neurons would fire um, and i could actually interpret that as me trying to lift my finger so are, are we already at the point where we can like fairly reasonably map that for uh, i mean across a population of people like trying to lift their finger and we know a specific type of or specific electrical signal would be uh, received yeah yeah i think it again it's like not consumer grade yet like mm -hmm. no nobody has made a product where you can put something on and this will work however right. like there's tons of research that's already been done for it and supposedly lots of companies can already do it like meta is one of the forefront leaders in all of the entire BCI space and nobody knows what they're doing. They just acquired like a ton of companies that were leading it and now they're going crazy with it, but they're just saying it's all under the research department. Right, so we're just waiting for some sort of public breakthrough to come out in terms of like what the technology really looks right now. Yeah. Like, well, what do you think, what do you think like the goals of BCIs are? Like, are you, are you pro BCIs or no? I'm definitely pro BCI because I don't think it's it's smart to ever be against new technology. Like we, there's obviously sociological like impacts or everything, and my obviously being quite left centric, I always like uh, some level of that is always in my head. Especially like even with Meta and stuff, I think I mentioned it uh, a couple of weeks ago. But like the impact of how it it like the how it impacts the accessibility of the internet because obviously not the entire world doesn't even have access to like the bare bones internet yet. To add another another level of uh, you have to into the metaverse now instead of just being on the internet that impacts but i, I think it's 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 wrong to be against the technology as a whole because of that it's more of like Whoa. a question of how That's do we hot take hot 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 take really yeah you're basically saying like it's almost always bad to go against new technology that's being developed uh i'd, I'd, I'd say i yeah generally speaking why, why why is that a hot take well the entire technology industry is like so nascent We've only been making tech for less than a fr like less than a percentage of our time as a species in the world. Like, I don't think we have enough historical data to say like, oh, all the new tech that we have ever made has been good. So we should we should continue it's, making new tech. I mean, it's not necessarily that it's good, but I feel like trying to stop people from progressing is like it opens like a can of worms like because one what is the what, what is the method by which we achieve that like authoritarianism like there's, there's no way really to stop people from creating new things um outside of like an authoritarian regime or some sort of like governmental control right and on, on top of that i feel like it's just like 
I feel like the fundamental idea of humanity is almost just like progress in whatever way. And obviously there's negative things that come with that. The development of nuclear and atomic bombs is obviously one big thing. But at the same time, from those negatives, there are positives that come out. And it's really hard to separate like the wheat from the chaff when the, the technology in its early development stage. And, and often what happens, at least from my understanding of history, is like there's there's some fundamental ideas that we're playing with. And then out of those, suddenly there's some technology that comes out. Let's say we're like playing with the idea of like nuclear... Um, like manipulation, right? From that, we get nuclear energy, which is amazing. But at the same time, we get atomic bombs, which is obviously not so amazing. So, like, I feel like it's difficult. And with AI, the same thing. Like, obviously, there's a lot of negative things that AI that, that could uh, uh, come out from AI. But at the same time, trying to like hinder the development of AI could also uh, get rid of the, the positive that might come with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Actually, I agree. So, 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 would you say? Like, would you agree on that, that aspect then? That, like, it's generally speaking, like, not a good thing to stop the development of new technologies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I agree. Like, maybe it's... I don't know if it's not a good thing. It's definitely not realistic, though. Yeah. Yeah. But wait, okay, wait. Going back, like, as a person who doesn't know much about BCIs, like, you're a regular... You're actually... An, I would say you're an advanced user of technology, like in the sense of that the modern world sees it yeah what do you think uh, are the benefits of, of of like having brain computer interfaces yeah sorry just, just to go back to that like what we're you're talking about like the advanced user i think just one thing for like anybody who is listening uh one cool like kind of like where you can see this as like we have two people like me i'm not really like I, i'm not within the tech sphere as much as chris is chris is like very like you're in that right like you're constantly yeah. thinking about it like having ideas of how we can progress further i'm more of like like i'm interested in this sphere and i'm like uh like i have a positive outlook on the technologies in the future that can bring us but at the same time i'm like a, i'm like a an optimistic like what's the word i can hear here like a, an optimistic skeptic right who's also not that deep into the technology sphere just like a cool dynamic I think we have going. Anyways, uh, so your question of, yeah, like, what are the implications or the positives that could come from BCI usage? Uh, I mean, like, again, it's so hard to say anything without having, like, concrete examples of what uh, the technology can do yet. Because like, there's so much of it is under wraps and under development that until we have, like, right now, it, it just seems kind of useless, to be quite frank with them. Like, oh, yeah, we can see, like, the humans moving their, like, their finger up and we can detect their brain signals. But at the same time, if we did have a technology to, like, interpret thoughts to a really... Um, high degree, like it, it'd be phenomenal. Like, I, mean, I, don't, I can't even like begin to imagine what all the possibilities are in terms of just like improving humanity, right? And like, right. I'm trying to think of like what, yeah, I mean, again, I, it's hard to pinpoint like specific examples, but like there's countless healthcare things I could bring forward in terms of mental illnesses and, and being able to interpret people's thoughts, like, or like, like there, there's so many philosophical questions I feel like we could answer with it, right? Exactly, right? yeah. Like, uh, also, I think that brought us up the, uh, the other day when you're tweeting, but, like, uh, kind of shifting away from your question. But, like, is it even possible to interpret, like, um, the the experience of, uh, what am I trying to think of? But, like, consciousness. Is it possible to uh, interpret the experience of consciousness just through the, the electrical signals that our brain is firing off? Because I think generally within the, the sphere of, like, the idea of what is consciousness it just seems to be like two camps one one camp like the more rigorous scientific camp seems to be well consciousness just arrives from the fact that our brain is uh signaling off electrical signals and it's really complicated and there's somewhere somewhere in there the experience of consciousness comes up and then for others maybe the more religious side or just in general people who seem to have a more uh, 
spiritual understanding of it, I guess, or philosophical understanding is like, yes, the, the neuro, like neuronal signals are there, but at the same time, there's like a, another layer, like something that we can't really interpret through like physical means that is consciousness. That makes right. sense. Like, like it's like the spiritual portion. Yeah, right? legit. Yeah, like the exactly like the spiritual. Yeah. So like, wh- yeah, where know. where do you stand on that? Like, or do you have an opinion on like, do you think it's possible to to experience or interpret consciousness just through the electrical signals? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I do. Like, I haven't seen any research that's been confused, at least of like why things are going on. They've been like muddled, I guess, but never confused. I think, yeah, I, I, I'm not convinced that, like, there is some spiritual aspect. But, like, a really cool thing, have you heard of, have you heard of the Boltzmann brain par- paradox? I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't know the specifics. Okay, so it's this idea that, that this guy named Ludwig Boltzmann made. Um, and it's a thought experiment, which says that it's more likely for, like, one brain to spontaneously form with the entire memory of the universe, of history, et cetera, et cetera, then for the actual universe to have become a thing. So right. it's more likely that we are just the memory of one brain. And he like he proved this mathematically, which was the craziest part. Wait, he proved it mathematically? How's that? Yeah, wait, I'm, try- I'm trying to find it. But like, so, so it's essentially like the, I think, therefore I am, but then like literally, I, th- I think, therefore I am, and you are the only thing that exists and all your memories and experiences of people is just like a spontaneous generation of memories. Is that basically it? Yeah, but there is no sense of self anymore. Like everyone is the same brain. We are just all memories in this sense. Like it's not, I think therefore I am. It's like I was period. Wait, now I'm confused. Cause I, I thought, or my understanding of it was like, your brain, like say, say my brain, like you are just a figment of my imagination, my parents, my all my other friends, everybody in the entire my understanding of history is just a spontaneous generation of, of memories that occurred. And then like, that's more likely than there being billions of brains across the world that collectively form this identity of humanity. Or is it like that? But I'm thinking that's wrong now for what you're saying. Okay, I guess, I guess there's one way you can interpret it. What I thought of it as is like, it's one brain that's simulating the entire universe and so that brain is not associated with a single character in the world. Ah, uh, okay. And so, like, this brain is neither yours nor mine. So we're like uh, a collective consciousness that just exists somewhere. Yeah. Which is which is crazy. I'm trying to find the proof. I wonder if, like... Hmm. Yeah, that, that's yeah, it's about statistical entropy in a closed system and periodic functions. Yeah, I don't think I don't have the math knowledge to understand that, anyways. Yeah, it's okay. okay. Average science student. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thought experiments are always really sick. Like, th- there's one that's like I've heard about a lot recently. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like if if all powerful AI is created, it would like do everything in its power to like get rid of the people that didn't do everything in their power to create the AI in the first place. I can't remember what it's called. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like something's. Like, so there's the idea there that everyone that works towards AI will be saved. Yeah, like everybody who did everything in their power to create the AI would be fine, but anybody who had the capability or the knowledge to to create the AI but didn't would be uh, like destroyed by the AI. Wait, dude, that's crazy. Like that's making AI religion. Like that, if you believe in this, then you should spend this like 
you should treat AI as similarly to God as possible and worship it in the off chance that it does become oh, almighty in the that's, world. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That, I never thought about that way, but yeah, that's right. And like, also like, unlike most interpretations of God, there's no idea that AI is like some merciful being, right? It's just AI is ruthless. It just does what it's told and tries to read it. Damn. I never thought about it in terms of like a religious aspect, but you're, yeah, you're right. Would you, would you convert to the AI religion? I mean, I, I don't necessarily believe in that, like, specific thought experiment. Like, I haven't thought about it enough. But I'd probably err on the side of, like, I don't believe it, just from, like, initial thoughts. Right. But if, uh, I don't know, would I? I don't think I would, to be honest, just, just from a practical perspective. But, like, from a philosophical one, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, we should name it. Wait, like, we should name it on this podcast so that if it ever becomes a thing, you can claim credit. What is this well, AI? The, the AI god we're calling it something? Yeah, no, the god or the religion itself. Wait, wait there's like some like. Guys, we're, we're, not, we're not starting a cult, promise. This is episode one. I would actually want to start a cult. I think starting a cult would be cool. Uh... Oh, have you heard of this? Um... Have you heard of this movement called transhumanism? No, but sorry to uh, answer that question. But like, also the thought I was, thinking, I was, I was thinking of was called Roko's Basilisk, which is a sick name, by the way. Yeah. Well, oh, speaking of like, I guess like reptiles. Um, yeah. Have you heard of of the the fable of like the dragon tyrant or something like that? I have not. No. Okay, so it's this story about. Okay, I'll tell you the story, and it's supposed to be a, a metaphor for something in our real world. And I'll let you guess what it is, okay? Okay. Okay, so it's this story about this, like, kingdom, okay? And this mm -hmm. kingdom, inside of it, lives this dragon. Right. And that dragon requires one human sacrifice every, like, some amount of time. I forgot exactly what it is. Let's say, like, it's one day or one year, okay? Right. So, every set period of time, the entire community is feeding this dragon one human sacrifice to the point where some like at some point the king has to like be eaten by the dragon and there's nothing that they can do to stop it because like it is a given and then eventually the entire like civilization dies um okay wait so 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 there's a dragon that exists within like this village or whatever and then yeah. every so often the village has to sacrifice a human being toward it to keep it at bay basically but yeah exactly and so, so it's like this, this village is like a set population them oh yeah. okay yeah, yeah okay but but okay sorry i got the ending wrong like i guess um they de like the dragon does demand like some sacrifice mm -hmm. um but like at the end like everyone comes together to like fight back against the dragon to kill it okay right so okay i'll just like skip you guessing unless you want to no, I have no clue, so... Okay, the idea is, like, in our world, this dragon is supposedly death. Most humans consider death as a given, as yeah. in, at the end of, like, one's life, they will die, and we just accept it, and we continue on with our lives. But the idea is that we should all come together and fight back against this dragon of death. Um, and, like from this spurs this entire sector of like the science industry called longevity but yeah like 
this is what the the story is kind of like like trying to get to yeah the longevity sounds really cool there's definitely some people within i think dr david sinclair is one of them there's also um peter atia i don't know if you've watched the podcast and stuff there but they have some really sick content on it i think they're like one of the leading some of the leading people in that sphere but yeah Wait, you, would you like consider doing research, or you want to go down the med route? No, I mean, I definitely would want to do research. I mean, one is like I kind of have to do research outside, even if I want to do med. Like it's just kind of a thing you have to do for applications and stuff. Okay. But I feel like um, it, it's difficult to do research based specifically, like in like like I if I if I did do research, it'd be like within the neuroscience or like longevity sphere because those are the two things that interest me the most. But then it's kind of difficult to do that within like any given branch of medicine because like I don't know it's just like nothing really relates to it. But at the same time, it's like very broad. I'm not sure. Yeah. I I'd definitely be interested if it if it was like practically feasible. Does wait are we allowed to dox ourselves in this podcast? Like, can I say where you live? Yeah. What university you go to? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Like, do you know if UBC has any cool like research labs? Oh, there's, I mean, there's plenty of research labs. Um, I haven't done two. I, I, I actually just started recently looking into like specific labs I want to apply to. Um, there's there, there's a couple ones like regarding neuroscience and stuff. There's there's one that's uh, really into sleep. There's a like a, a really famous um, like a, a TED talk. I can't remember. Wait, TED talk sleep. I think the sleep is. Is it sleep? Oh, I can't remember. There, there, like th- th- there's like a UBC professor who was on there and like it was a really famous TED talk. I believe it was about speech. I might be or not speech sleep. I might, I might be wrong though. I'll try to find it later. Um, but yeah, th- she she has some really cool research. Just I haven't had a chance to interact with too many um, other like professors who are doing like cutting edge research. But yeah, I definitely have to look into that. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I kind of decided for the next like six seven months of my life, I'll just like be giving that towards research and seeing if it's where I want to be. It, it kind of sucks, though. The entire research field is so neglected. Like, okay, so, like, if you were to make a tier rating of, like, the least to most neglected, like, sectors of of the working force, mm-hmm. the most neglected will be charity, obviously. Like, charity and nonprofit, those guys, I feel so bad for anyone working in them. Um, sure. Then, I'd say, like, academia. And it sucks because academia is the backbone of all, like, startups. Oh, definitely. Not yeah. all startups. But like a lot of startups plus like um like next gen companies. Yeah. But if you like if you just look at the way like economically, like the the amount that researchers are paid or even oh, it's horrendous. Also like like I'm not sure how you're how much how familiar you are with like how specific research goes, but like like PhDs and master's programs, like it's literal torture for like a PhD and master's students. Like essentially what happens is like whoever the PI, which is like a I guess like the word people use for like the main researcher, principal investigator is what it stands for. Like he, mm-hmm. he's like probably like a, a tenured professor, like a experienced professor. Like they just use these PhD students as like free labor essentially a lot of the times. Like they're just in there repeatedly doing like mind naming experiments. Often like they're not too interested in what the topic is. It's just like something they have to go through to get it done. And and then again for the professor himself doing the or him or herself doing the research, it's like they're just trying to get as many papers out as possible because often getting tenured position in university or getting or like becoming well-known in academia just means pumping out a bunch of papers and having people cite those papers like uh, i can't remember what the exact uh stat is called but like oftentimes like the worth of a researcher is measured by how many times his papers are uh referenced by other papers within the right, field citations yeah citations 
So like, yeah. so like having a lot of like mediocre research projects is often a lot better than having one really big, potentially uh, like game changing research project. Dude, that sucks. And the other thing is like, if you incentivize all like higher level academics to just pump out papers, there's so much area for people, like for bad actors to appear and people to fake data or fake research. I remember like a friend told me a statistic where 80% of all research cannot be like validated as true, which is yeah. like insane. Yeah, I think especially within like psychology, there's a massive like epidemic of like research being non-replicable. Like people will do research, especially within psychology, because like they have quite fast turnovers because it just involves like human experiments like compared to like basic science, which takes a long longer usually. But like, uh, it's like there's so much turnover of just people pumping out research projects and then nobody ever tries to replicate them because like if like again this goes back into um like i guess capitalism not to beat, beat the dead horse but like <laughs> but like because people want to get published in like big uh like papers or not big papers big journals like nature cell like a lot of these big biology uh and like medicine ones but like often they won't research like publish research that's just replicating stuff because i mean it's not that big of a deal to just replicate research but that is the backbone of science or the backbone of what like science really is to replicate them but nobody does it because like oh why would i do that when i could just pump out another like maybe bullshit uh, research project yeah i wonder what like a better way to validate the correctness of of research papers is could be interesting to look into. Yeah, it's it's difficult. All right, guys, I think we're gonna we're gonna call it there. Had some nice nice conversation. I think we I think we dug into some of them decently. Obviously, we're not too, uh, especially me, I'm not too knowledgeable in a lot of them, but uh, I think it was nice. Overall, uh, we should be back here next week for something similar. Uh, yeah, next time, time, Mac is gonna educate me on communism. Communism, yeah, definitely. That's the move, dude. We're gonna have multiple multiple podcasts on that. Oh, All right, yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Thanks.